Everyone has heard the phrase, money can't buy happiness. And yet, how many people truly believe it? Maybe money can't buy happiness, but it sure can buy things that possibly make you feel happy, even feel secure and in control. But if it's happiness you can buy, is it really happiness? Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. <coughs> yes, and that includes sound effects. We do this by using true life stories of real people. Just a heads up, the story in this week's episode contains some scenes that might not be appropriate for younger viewers. So parental supervision is advised. I'm Timothy Gregory, and I've got a question for you. What makes you happy? Many set money up as their ultimate destination. In a way, they're idle. Others might think ultimate fulfillment comes with uh, status, possessions, or even relationships that they revolve their world around. But do idols really satisfy? That's what we'll be talking about on this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. When you hear the word idol, you probably think about Indiana Jones switching out a bag of sand for a little statue and think, well, I definitely don't have any of those things lying around. But take a second look. We all have different things set up on our pedestals, from jobs to homes to, well, even ourselves. Yes, self-aggrandizement is an idol. Now, whether they realize it or not, idolaters expect these idols to satisfy, but... When they are attained or achieved, there's always a hunger for more. After being poor for so long, the man in this week's episode had an insatiable hunger for more. But just where would this hunger take him? Also, you want to stick around because later we are going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter yet another sweepstakes drawing for a prize. No, it's not a cash prize, but it is a prize, and I think it's a prize you are really going to like if we draw your name. But first... Let's get to it, folks. Part one of the true story of Danny Cox. Uh, who's that? Pretty sure that's a special delivery. Huh? Girls? Ah, it's my dealer. Frank will get the door. You like him? Frank? Your dealer. Rick! He's all right. Expensive, though. Gotta go hungry to get high. Well, what you buying? Crack. You tried it? Nah, that's not for me. You sure? Oh, it's a real good time. It'll make all the other stuff you're doing feel like child's play. Uh, I gotta get up early. Work? Nah, the businesses run themselves now, man. I'm leaving for a cruise. One of my investors at the gym. Investors? Sure. Say, you should go in on this rock with me. We could split it. There's gonna be plenty of booze on the boat. I'm talking about tonight, Danny. I'm talking about living for the moment. <laughs> you know I'll never say no to the moment. That's my boy! You got cash on you? I can pay you later. I was uh, young when I realized something was terribly wrong in my house. My brother didn't know what to do. 
and neither did my little sisters. No one would dare stand up to my dad. Mama? What was that? No, no, no. <laughs> Mama! You don't shut up. I'll be in your room next. Danny, shh. But what do you think? It's okay. Here. Cry into the pillow so Dad doesn't hear you. You can't let him hear you, Danny. From an early age, Danny felt unsafe and alone. This is part one of his compelling story. The true story of Danny Cox. Right now on Unshackled. The next morning, I'd find my mom bloodied and bruised. She'd raised a finger to her lips, cautioning me not to react. A few years later, I suffered an injury of my own, one that would last the rest of my life. We were all up with the birds that morning. In the rural farm town where my dad's sister lived, there wasn't much to do. My uncle and dad took the older boys out hunting. Ready to go, boys? Got the shotgun shells? What kind of animals will we see? Oh, you have to ask your uncle. Probably bears and tigers. Really? Isn't that right, Uncle Eddie? Why can't I go? You're not old enough. That's not fair. Don't take it out on the stop sign. I would hit way more things than you, David. You'll come next time, Danny. Now here, David, let me show you how to load the gun. So you point the barrel away from you, and you open the chamber, and... Yep. Cool. All right. And then... Ah! Oh, Danny! What happened? How did it fire? My eye! My eye! Give me your handkerchief. What's going on out here? Dad, shut Danny! Oh, no! No, 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 no! I can't see! Oh, Danny! David, get the keys. We gotta get to the hospital. Now! What did the doctor say? Shh. He's sleeping. His vision keeps getting worse. It's 2400. What does that mean? He has no vision in his right eye. He's legally blind. Oh. My. Oh no. One inch off to the side. He could have been killed. I adjusted to my life with my new limited way of seeing. And Dad continued with his dangerous habits. When I was nine, Mom moved us to California to get away from him. I didn't need perfect vision to imagine something in my mind very clearly. I would get revenge on my dad someday. Revenge for all the pain he had caused us. But I never got my chance. My dad was killed in a car accident one year later. We moved in with my grandmother after that, to the projects of Granite City, Illinois. Can you dunk? <laughs> Not yet. You? Almost. My dad can dunk. Cool. Can yours? Uh, I don't have a dad anymore. Oh. I bet he could. Back when... Maybe. Mm. Want to play pig? I go first. You're out here every day. I'm better than being inside. You think anyone's ever going to fix the other hoop? Nah. I want to play full court. They ain't fixed a swing since I was born, so I don't have much hope for the hoop. That's P. That's nothing. You hear what happened out here last night? My mom heard it. She heard the guy get stabbed? Yeah. What'd it sound like? I don't know. 
You're messing with my focus. I'm bored of this anyway. There's nothing to do. I know something. What? There's a man driving through here in a church bus asking kids if they want to go to a church revival tonight. What's a revival? I don't know, but I'm going. What kind of bus is it? Blue. Looks air-conditioned. Okay, I'll go. They brought us downtown to a church. I hadn't seen anything like it before. There were hundreds of people singing and praying. I began to feel a warmth that night deep down inside me, a presence I'd never felt before. The next night I went back and gave my life to Jesus. I went to the church revival almost every night of that summer. I was 12 years old and I was way more interested in Jesus than basketball, swimming, camping, or anything else. That is, until I was a teenager. At that point, I started to care more about other things. So, you want to go on a date with my daughter? Yes, sir. Well, you can understand that I might want to get to know you a bit. Of course. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, what can I tell you? I have one brother, two sisters. Uh, I love playing basketball. Uh, and I attend a church near my house. You play down low, or are you a shooter? More of an outside man? Well, that depends on who shows up for pickup. <laughs> of course it does. So, where are you two headed tonight? Uh, we were just going to go for ice cream and then a movie. She said she knew a spot nearby. Do you live around here? No, sir. Where do you live? In, uh, in Kirkpatrick Homes, if you know where that is. I do. All right, just ice cream then. Have her home in an hour. I'll never forget the look on his face when I told him where I lived. The look told me I wasn't good enough. And from that day on, I decided I would never be poor again. Around this time, my mom remarried another alcoholic and he handed me a beer the night of my high school graduation. I started drinking and never looked back. Soon, I started my path out of poverty. To whatever's next. To whatever's next for us, indeed. Cheers. Cheers, my friend. So, what did you want to talk to me about? I'm opening a tavern, and I want you to be my partner. Huh? You look surprised. I'm surprised you thought of me. Pickup trucks and rednecks, that's not my scene. Oh, that's the thing. We're going to be different. We won't be a bar for rednecks. We'll be a bar for hippies. Long hair, potheads, flower power, all of it. Come to our little neighborhood spot. Blow off steam. Be together. You have a location? Right on the main drag. I already talked to the realtor. The place still has beer boxes and freezers we can use. How much? Fifteen grand. Fifteen? Thousand? We each put in five. I got another investor, too. Look, bars make money, man. They've certainly made a lot off of me. Can I have another one of these? We'll never know unless we try. I'm telling you, if the parking lot's overrun by trucks... It won't be. Thank you, John. I think this could be big. It was big. We started making money hand over fist. 
We bought the house next door and tore it down so we'd have more room for dancing. Soon, I started another business, a fitness center. That took off, too. I bought a house, a pool, another house, an auto body shop, a wrecker service, and an RV. I had everything I thought would make me happy. But I still wanted more. Right around my 30th birthday, I started on cocaine. Oh, it's freezing out here. You got a lot more stops tonight? A few. What do I owe you? Seven hundred. Seven hundred? I'm spending way too much on this. Well, you're doing a gram a day. I am now. All right, man. Here's the thing. You buy in bulk. It's cheaper. I could sell you more, which will cost you a lot less per gram, and then you can sell some to a couple of your pals and get yours for free. Well, I am a businessman. Right you are. All right, let's do it. I was really living large now. I sold my smaller businesses to open a $1.2 million nightclub. I partied in limousines, on private jets, and ocean cruises. I graduated from cocaine to crack when I turned 40. And I sold cocaine by the kilo to pay for my $2,000 a week addiction. I was in the process of opening another business, a tanning salon, when I got some unexpected visitors. Daniel Cox? Uh, we're not open just yet. Grand openings this afternoon. 20% off custom airbrush and spray. Sir, I'm with the DEA. What? I'm with the Drug Enforcement Agency. Oh, I need to speak with you in private. Folks, we'll get back to Danny's story in just a moment, but first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org. And then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check. Unshackled. We take checks. You mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, back to part one of the true story of Danny Cox. As soon as the feds left, I sped to my lawyer's office. They've been recording me. That's what they do. One of my friends sold me out. Uh, what do they have on you? Everything. Here, have some water. Keep breathing. All right, so cocaine distribution. They said it's serious, but I'm not the one they want. They're really after Rick. Rick? My dealer. Uh-huh, so they want you to... Cooperate. Otherwise, they'll arrest me. What do we do? 
What's that? Federal Sentencing Guidelines book. So, for the amount of cocaine you're saying they would charge you with, uh, that could get you 27 to 33 months in prison. Oh, no. Can you serve that if you have to? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can. Then I say we fight. This plan did not go well. Jim told the DEA that I wasn't going to cooperate, and then we didn't hear from them for weeks. I grew paranoid. I started sleeping in different locations so they couldn't bang down my door at night. Then one day, as I was going to work at the tanning salon, it happened. Four DEA agents arrested me. They took me to their headquarters and into a private room. I was given one more chance to cooperate. Take a good look at your arrest warrant. As I read, I was overwhelmed with despair. <laughs> so much for the 30 months my lawyer had guessed at. If I was convicted of these charges, I would get 10 years to life. Come on, Cox. Don't be stupid. The days of playing the hero are over. Do you think the people you're protecting would protect you? Not in a thousand years. I'm sorry. I... I can't. <sighs> All right. Boys, lock him up. I don't know why I held back. I suppose I had grown up with the honor among thieves philosophy. I was scared to betray people I thought were my friends. I learned quickly that jail is a territorial and tribal place. When Jerry invited me to come by his bunk, I was grateful for someone to talk to. You're new, I take it. Yeah, I'm just here till my court date. Sure. Excuse me? Nothing. How long you been here? A minute. Look, man, let me tell you what I wish someone had told me. The guys who've been here longest get everything first. They get the food trays first, they get to the sinks first, they sit where they want. If you're gonna jump ahead of them, you gotta be tough as nails, which, no offense. I'm not. Or downright crazy, which... I'm not. Got it. Uh, how do you know who's been here the longest? The eyes. The eyes? Something about them. Uh, you'll see soon enough. But basically, everyone's been here longer than you, so you're safe if you just go last for a while. Okay. Who's that on your wall? That's my brother. And, and this. This is my big sis. Huh. You look alike. <laughs> you think? Your smile. You got siblings? Yeah, three of them. Uh, you should put some pictures up. Help you remember who you used to be. I tried to keep to myself for the next few days, refusing to believe I would be there for long. I wouldn't get used to that place. It was only a matter of time before I would make bond and get out of there. I held my breath until my court hearing. Defense, you may call your first witness. Thank you, Your Honor. I would like to call Danny's brother, David Cox, to the stand. David, will you tell us a bit about your brother? Sure. Danny and I, uh, we've been through a lot together. But he was always there for me. 
We've been so proud of him with all his success over the past years to make a different life for himself than the one we were born into. Now, that path has led him to make some choices that I know he regrets, but I hope that today he'll be given the chance to turn his life around so he can find the loving, thoughtful, trustworthy man inside again. If he's given bond, I know he'll be in court at the designated time for his trial. Mr. Haverford, as Danny's business partner and friend, what can you share about Danny? Um, when you're starting a business with someone, you get to see who they really are. The stress brings out your fears, your anxieties, and, um, at times the worst version of yourself. Danny and I certainly had our fair share of disagreements, and we had to work through them together. But in all those years, I never one time saw him get violent or even lose his temper. Danny's not a danger to society. He's a gift to it. That's why he's built so many businesses that revolve around community. And he wouldn't jeopardize being out on bond if that opportunity were granted him. It seemed like things were going great. My lawyer called 10 witnesses. They all said I was a hard worker and a reliable man. <laughs> you tell them, I thought. I'm nothing like those other bad guys I met in jail. I thought back to the boy I'd been as I tried to reckon with the man I'd become. I wondered what my childhood friend Mike would have said if he'd been called to testify. Danny? Well, he can't shoot a three to save his life, but he's a cool dude. Danny had a real tough start, like all of us who lived at Kirkpatrick. But Danny loved Jesus more than anything else. It was all he could talk about. Danny seemed to know about a love that would never disappoint him. That's what his life will be built on, for sure. The sound yanked me out of my head and back into the courtroom. The prosecutor had called one of the DEA agents to the stand. This man is a danger to the community and a flight risk. When he was under surveillance, he was observed staying at different locations nightly. The DEA has no confidence in granting him bond. In the cross-examination, my lawyer worked hard to prove I was not a flight risk by pointing out that I had showed up to work every day while knowing I might be arrested. But it wasn't enough. After hearing arguments from both sides, it is the opinion of this court that Mr. Cox is a flight risk and therefore he is denied bond. A court date will be set no more than 70 days from arraignment, preserving Mr. Cox's right to a speedy trial. We'll try again in a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks? I'm so sorry, Danny. You have to go now. The marshals are waiting. I walked past my family and friends. Some were in tears. Some looked angry. I was shocked. What had happened to that little boy at the revival service? The one who felt safe and loved for the first time. Would I ever feel that way again? I went back to my cell deeply discouraged. Cox! Yeah? Letter for you. For me? Danny Cox, right? I didn't think anyone had my address. Where's it from? Beverly Filer. 
Wow, she's a real distant relative. Wonder how she found me. Danny, God still loves you no matter what you have done. I couldn't stop the tears from coming. I knew I was no different from the other guys in jail. We'd all messed up. I needed God's forgiveness. And right then and there, I asked for it. God, help me. I can't help myself. I can't do this anymore. I need you. You all right, Cox? Yeah, I am. It had been 30 years since I had surrendered my life to God. And through this simple letter, the door had opened once again. I had spent three decades trying to buy myself a happy life. But one was always freely available in God. My life changed. I no longer wanted cocaine and booze. I stopped swearing. I wanted to know more of who God was. I wanted to transform. Meanwhile, things with my case were going worse. I lost my lawyer and got moved to another rougher block in a different part of the prison. My new bunkmate gave me the lay of the land. That's my side. Oh, sorry. AB Block is legit, man. Keep an eye on your stuff, and especially your food. Lots of predators in here who just take it right off your tray. <laughs> Shoot, they'll take your whole tray. Okay. Hey, don't mess with Trim. Cell to the right. Or with Chris, two to the left. Oh, and see that guy out there? Uh, yeah? He's a Bible freak. Stay away. Stay far away. Later that day, I saw the Bible freak standing by the rail. I lingered nearby, not sure what to say. You've just given your life to the Lord, haven't you? How? How do you... Holy Spirit. Who are you? My name's Bob White. Who are you? Uh, I'm Danny. Danny Cox. You just got moved here? Tell me your story. Yeah. Uh, I, uh... I really messed up my life. I don't know when or if I'll get a second chance. That's a scary feeling. Wish I could go back. Well, except I don't. What drew you to Jesus? Same thing that drew me when I was 12 years old. His sacrifice. His love, I guess. What about you? Are, are you new here? <laughs> oh, no. I've been in and out of prisons for 15 years. Really? You don't have the eyes. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, stay here long enough and your eyes change. Bit cold or just hardened. Ah. Here, look. Jesus commands us in John chapter 15, verse 12, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Hmm. How long have you been a Christian? I've been studying the Bible for over 20 years. I'd be happy to teach you. When you're ready. I'm ready. You sure? Some folks don't want to be seen with me. They say I'm a freak. Maybe you're why I got moved here, to the A-B block. 
I want to learn everything I can. And so my education began. I learned how to read God's word and understand what it might mean for my life. Bob taught me to pray. There were many things I didn't understand, but one question lingered in my mind. If Bob had been walking with Jesus for over 20 years, how was it he had been in and out of jail for 15? Can God forgive you that many times? Doesn't believing in him mean you'll start getting things right? I still had a long road ahead. Only this time, I wasn't alone. Friend, do you have an idol in your life? For Danny, it was money. But maybe for you, it's possessions, status, or even yourself. When you set up idols in your life, you will always want more. Truth alert, it will never be enough. The Bible says in Psalm 107, verse 9, For he satisfieth the longing soul, and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. The he the Bible is talking about here is the good Lord above. But before we can satisfy our souls, we must repent of our sins and believe in Jesus Christ as the one true thing we will worship and idolize. For he is always enough. So turn to the one who always satisfies and he will help you knock down whatever idol you have sitting on your pedestal. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you, but in the meantime, here's a fact about Unshackled. We're alive again. Not that we were dead. Well, we were, but now we're alive in Christ. Get to your point. Folks, come join us on Saturday for live shows at Pacific Garden Mission at 3 p.m. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast. And don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. All right, here's the prize for our new upcoming sweepstakes contest. Another beautiful wooden scripture plaque, and it is John 8:12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I love that one. This is a gorgeous plaque, folks, especially if you're looking for daily inspiration from Scripture. You will love this authentic and very unique wooden plaque. The plaque has been sawn from a tree branch or log and uh, cut in such a way as uh, to retain as much of the bark around the perimeter as possible. It's been handcrafted around the natural character and the beauty of the wood that, uh, well, God created. 
So all you have to do to enter our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast sweepstakes drawing is call 312-281-1264 or email podcast at unshackled.org and give us your name, phone number, and email. The winner of this sweepstakes drawing for this beautiful scripture plaque will be announced November 1st, but the deadline for entry is October 20th. And next time... Jack, it's me, Danny Cox. Get out of here. <laughs> so tell me, what's happened to you since you got locked up? Well, I got this letter in the mail telling me that God still loved me, even in light of what I'd done. Wow. I was like, if you're still cool with me, even after all this, then I'll give you everything I've got. Danny Cox gave his life to Christ as he awaited his conviction. I believe that my record from the Bureau of Prisons will reflect a positive change of heart. He couldn't wait to get out of jail and start living like a new man. Just do your best to do your time, and then you'll be out of here. That's the plan. Then I can see you. But when a terminal illness changed his plans... You have a disease called ALS, better known as Lou Gehrig's disease. He had to surrender to God in a whole new way. Why, Lord? I didn't come here to die. Don't miss the conclusion of Danny's compelling story, coming soon on Unshackled. Heard in part one of the true story of Danny Cox were Tom McElroy, Marcy Mencotti, Allison Voller, Kurt Nabig, Brian Plaharchik, and Demetrius Troy. Original music and audio engineer, Don Badorf. Sound effects, Demetrius Troy. Recording engineer, David Pierczynski. Script, Samantha Beach. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ.